Uh, I want to welcome those of you here with me in the Ward Church Sanctuary, and of course those of you joining us online or listening by radio, good morning to you. Uh, many years ago, my wife Angie and I uh, accompanied the church youth group on a trip to an adventure park, and at one point in the day, the kids were all off on the rides, and it was just Angie and me and the youth pastor and his wife. The youth pastor and his wife, 22 years old, right out of college, newlyweds, and the youth pastor turned to me and said, Scott, let's do the bungee jump. Yeah! <laughs> and I, I, did, I didn't respond you know, right away. I, I didn't say no, but I was thinking for reasons to, to say no. And in, in, in the pause, uh, Angie turned to me and said, oh, uh, honey, you're, you're back. And the young wife turned to her young husband and said, oh, isn't that sweet? She's, she's worried about his back. That's going to be us someday. <laughs> yeah. And she meant it to be a, a sweet comment, but something about it triggered me. <laughs> and I said to this guy, you're on for the bungee jump. I was going to ask you to go on before you asked me. And we headed off to the bungee jump line, and, uh, and we got in line. It, it was, and it didn't start out well because we're in line to get the harnesses they put on. And the employee looked at me and said, sir, you're going to need the extra large harnesses in the line <laughs> over here. And I was like, oh, did you have to say that in front of the whippersnapper youth pastor? Um, but I kind of leaned into it and said, okay, hey, that's, hey uh, I'm, I'm going to get my uh, hefty harness and I will see you at the top uh, 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 of the platform. And, uh, and he did. He went up and then he had to wait, you know, 10 minutes for me to get up there as well. And then uh, when I got to the top of the platform, he was already there and he went again. He went, yeah, and he ran and jumped off the platform. No hesitation. He didn't stop and look over the edge. He didn't pray. He just jumped. And I thought, that's not smart. Um, really, because wisdom says you should at least look over the edge and make sure that big inflatable pillow, safety pillow is there in its proper place. You should triple check the harness. A little conversation with Jesus, always appropriate. Uh, that, that's not smart at all. But, but I knew that there couldn't be many minutes that would elapse between our jumps that I had to fly off that platform as well. Every minute was a stab to my ego. And so I too, I, I, I didn't run off the edge, but I walked right up, just a little peek over the edge, and then I jumped. And it was thrilling. I'm really glad that I did. Uh, but nothing in me has ever wanted to do it again. <laughs> now, I, I wanted this to be a story about courage triumphing over fear. But that wouldn't be true. The truth is there were two competing fears in me on the platform that day. There was the fear of bodily harm and there was the fear of ego harm. Fear of humiliation, fear of embarrassment. And in some crazy moment, in some crazy way, the fear of ego harm actually trumped the fear of bodily harm. And this happens all the time, and it fills emergency rooms around the country every weekend. <laughs> One fear kept me on the platform, and another fear pushed me off the platform. But there was only fear on the platform that day. Now, how about that young whippersnapper youth pastor? Was he brave? No, he was a moron. No, he wasn't, a, <laughs> he wasn't that, but... If he was brave, I will never admit it. In our small groups this week, those that are studying the miracle moment by Nicole Eunice, we're looking at this topic of fear, uh, 
and how it affects relationships. And the verse of the week in the miracle moment is this one. You heard the larger section read earlier, but I want you to read these words aloud with me today. This is the verse of the week. Let's read it together. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. In a loving family, in a loving relationship, in a loving marriage, uh, the fear of humiliation goes away. The fear of rejection goes away. And in perfect love, you never have to worry about those things. I think about that day on the bungee jump platform. What, what, what if I had not jumped off the platform? What if I had stayed at the top and not jumped? Would my wife have made fun of me? No, she would not. Some of your spouses would make fun of you. My wife would not make fun of me. Would she have thought less of me if I hadn't jumped that day? Uh, no, I think she might have thought more of me. Would she have rejected me had I stayed on the platform? No. In, in, I don't know that our love is, is, is perfect, but I would never have to worry about those kind of things with her. It makes me wonder why I jumped off the platform at all on that day. God loves perfectly. God is love. You never need to fear God. Now, some of you are remembering verses in the Bible where it says you're supposed to fear God and that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But you understand those places in the Bible are using fear in the oldest sense of the word of being respect and reverence. And that's true. When we come to God, we come with holy reverence. We come in full submission to our sovereign God. But you never need to fear that God is going to withhold his love from you because of your performance. You never need to worry that God is going to abandon you. God's love is perfect. Perfect love casts out fear. If you ask me, do you fear your wife? I would need to say, what well, depends what you mean by fear. I think a lot of husbands would respond that way. Do I fear my wife? No, I, I prefer to think of it as a healthy respect. And our love may not be a perfect love to every degree, but I know that my wife loves me with all of my imperfections, with all of my idiosyncrasies, and when there is love, there isn't that kind of fear. Again, human love is not perfect. Only God loves perfectly. The closest thing in this world might be the kind of love that a parent has for a child or the love that exists in a really good marriage or the love between lifelong friends. Nicole Eunice, in The Miracle Moment, quotes a psychologist, uh, author, Dr. Carl Albrecht, who says there really are only five basic human fears that are universal, and all other fears kind of derive from those fears. And I love um, his definition of fear. Dr. Albrecht uh, has a simple definition. Fear is an anxious feeling caused by our anticipation of some imagined event or experience. It's an anxious feeling about some imagined event. It's anticipating something that hasn't even happened yet. So on the platform, I have this anxious feeling. Let's go back to that. I have this anxious feeling about what might happen if I jump off, I could be injured. But I also on the platform have this anxious feeling of what happens if I stay on the platform. Middle school kids might make fun of me for a lifetime. 
So I had this anxiety over my perceived, imagined outcome. These are the five uh, fears. Let's go to that. Five fears. Uh, uh, Dr. Albrecht coined the term feararchy to describe how these five fears go in descending order. The number one is fear of extinction. This is more than just the fear of death, he says. This is the fear of ceasing to be, and it's common to all of humanity. Then it kind of descends. Then there's the fear of mutilation or violation, the fear of losing a limb, uh, the fear of having your body violated. He says, even the fear of snakes and spiders falls in this category. If a spider's on me, it's, it's violating to me. The loss of autonomy. This is the fear of being restricted or contained, and uh, claustrophobia would fall into this category. There's the fear of separation, the fear of being rejected, the fear of being not wanted, the fear of being alone. And then there's the fear of ego death. This is the fear of humiliation, the fear of embarrassment, the fear of failure. And every other fear kind of falls in or derives from these. So other very common fears to humanity, the fear of heights is a very common fear. That falls in here where? Fear of heights is probably the fear of mutilation, maybe the fear of extinction. The number one fear in the United States is the fear of public speaking. That's the number one fear reported by Americans, and that kind of falls in where? That's the fear of ego death. I'm going to fail. And all these could, could, could come from that. And every human being has all of these. And the person with whom you have conflict and the person you're married to and your friend that you're trying to resolve things comes with the same set of fears that you do. And this is a lot of what's in the book Miracle Moment is how to work through these fears that you have and the person you're in relationship has. President Franklin Roosevelt famously asserted, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And it turns out there's some research to back that. You can actually fear a fear, and the fear of a fear will dictate your behavior, will affect your outcomes. Now, it's interesting that in our relationship with God, these uh, five fears essentially go away. Let's look at those again. Fear of extinction, when I'm connected to God through Jesus Christ, my life goes on forever. Mutilation, violation, okay, I still have to worry about that, maybe, but actually, when I'm connected to God, I worry about it less. What can people do to me? Loss of autonomy, but in Christ, when I surrender myself to God, I experience a new kind of freedom, a greater sense of control and power like I've never known. Fear of separation, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you or abandon you. Ego death, nope, I know that I am secure in my identity as a child, as a loved child of the king. Look at the confidence of some of the writers of the Bible. The psalmist says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I'm not afraid. And the psalmist is describing here being surrounded by enemies. The, the, the image in Psalm 56 is uh, armies coming in and circling and coming in. And he said, I put my trust in God. Of whom will I be afraid? And then this killer line, what can mere mortals do to me? Give me your worst." There's nothing you can ultimately take away from me when I am connected to God. The most famous psalm, I think, is Psalm uh, 23, and it's got this kind of tender line in it as well. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, your Bible might say the valley of the shadow of death, when I'm in the darkest, most horrible places of my life, I will fear no evil. 
There's no fear. Why? Because you are with me. And the confidence that we have in God's love can help us to love other people. We know that if all else fails, worst case scenario, God still loves us. We can risk a little. We don't need to be afraid. Fear at, sometimes, uh, at times can be helpful. It, fear stops us from doing stupid things. Right? Fear keeps a child from touching a hot stove. Fear keeps a man from dressing the way he really wants to. Fear, fear can really help uh, uh, people in a lot of situations. But for the most part, for human relationships, fear is destructive. Fear holds us back, reduces our self-image, destroys our joy, gets in the way of our relationship with God, and destroys intimacy with others. The very first time fear is mentioned in the Bible comes very early in the human experiment, It's in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve have sinned, and God comes to the garden and says, Adam, where are you? And this is how Adam responds in Genesis chapter 3. Adam says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. Now, there's way more going on here than physical nakedness. Adam feels ashamed. He feels vulnerable And so I hid. And the human race has been hiding ever since. Hiding behind smiles we don't really feel. Hiding behind agreeable words we don't really believe. But mostly hiding behind things we really believe and really feel but are too afraid to say. We hide. When I was growing up, my parents would sometimes have my twin sister and me play the quiet game. Are you familiar with this game? Uh, the, 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 the first person who is not quiet loses. Whoever can stay absolutely silent the longest wins. This is a very favorite game of, of many parents. And we were playing this game one particular time on a road trip. Uh, we, we played this game a lot. And I, I remember when the thought hit me, I don't have to play the quiet game. I remember thinking this. I don't have to play the quiet game because I don't think my parents would punish me if I spoke. I don't have to play the quiet game because even if they would punish me, it couldn't be worse than staying quiet for mile after mile after mile. I don't have to play the quiet game because I'm 30 years old now and it's getting ridiculous. (laughs) Sometimes for altogether different reasons, I still play the quiet game. All too often I hold back saying what I really feel or think because of fear. Too often I'm afraid of what someone might think of me. I'm afraid of the relational mess that it might cause if I spoke my heart. I'm afraid it would take more energy to clean up than it did to speak the truth. You play the quiet game when you pretend something doesn't bother you, but it does. Or when you pretend to agree with someone when you really don't. Or you pretend not to care, but you really do. People in churches sometimes get very good at playing the quiet game, and they play it in the name of peace, but it's not peace based on truth. It's not even really peace at all. It's just the absence of conflict. It's the absence of conflict made possible by hiding. I know of couples who play the quiet game with each other for years. They do it to avoid arguments, but they also avoid intimacy. I know employees who play the quiet game at work, They play it to avoid making waves or rocking the boat, 
but they spend years in resentment and frustration. I know Christians who play the quiet game with unchurched neighbors and friends, and they may avoid embarrassment or rejection, but they also lose the chance to fearlessly share their faith or to offer spiritual life to people who are far from God. Are you playing the quiet game with somebody in your life? Fear always lies behind the quiet game. The New Testament records a story of a time when the disciples were especially afraid. It's the famous story of Jesus walking on the water. Uh, Matthew's gospel tells it this way. When the disciples saw him, Jesus, walking in the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. Of course, they see this shadowy figure walking out to them on top of the water. People can't do that. It must be a ghost. They're terrified. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And there you have it, the most common command in all the Bible, the most frequently given command in all the Bible, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Take courage courage. We've talked about this here before. The most frequently given command in the entire Bible is fear not. Lloyd Ogilvie has observed that this command is given 366 times in the Bible. He says that's once for every day of the year and a bonus one for leap year. Right? The story goes on in Matthew's gospel. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, the story's familiar to us, but you've got to remember this, this, uh, this scene. Uh, the disciples are terrified, and Peter gets this idea, I'm going to get out of the boat. And he puts a foot over the edge, and it's solid. And he takes the other foot out. I mean, imagine this. Peter is walking on top of the water with Jesus. And man, his heart must have been pumping out of his body. This, this, is, this is exhilarating. This is, this is bungee jump times a million. Miraculous. Now, you know the story didn't turn out so great because the very next line says this, but when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Right, Peter, Peter lost sight of the fact that Jesus was in control of this situation. And I think maybe the reason the Bible says fear not more than any other command is that fear threatens to sink us faster than anything else. Now, did Peter fail on that day? Did Peter fail? Uh, maybe. But Jesus still loved Peter. Jesus rescued Peter. Jesus, uh, Peter didn't drown that day. You're never really at risk when you're with Jesus. And if Peter did lack faith that day, he demonstrated more faith than the 11 guys who were still in the boat. 12 guys went fishing that day. Only one of them knew the thrill of walking on top of the water with Jesus. Sometimes it's actually more risky to stay in the boat. What fear is keeping you in the boat? Where have you stayed silent so as not to rock the boat, but your silence has hurt other people or yourself? Or it's prevented the intimacy that is possible in the relationship? Where is fear holding you back in your marriage, in your parenting, in your friendship, 
in your church, in your faith? Where's God calling you to step off the platform, to step out of the safety zone, out of the boat, and come to him in risky obedience? What's keeping you in the safe zone? I suspect it is fear. Trust and fear have been battling each other for the human heart for a long time now, for your heart. And eventually, one or the other will win. But remember, perfect love drives out fear. In Christ Jesus, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. Will you pray with me? Lord, we confess that all too often we have let fear hold us back. We have not launched out in faith when you have called us to do something. Forgive us, God. Grant us courage to act in spite of our fears, to follow your call with steadfastness and joy. And for those here today whose fears are real and ominous and threatening, go with them, Father. For those who know that fear and faith go hand in hand, hold them close. Be their prince of peace. Make them bold. Father, we together thank you that you are love. Thank you that perfect love drives out fear. We love because he first loved us. And so in this service of worship, we together let you know that we love you, Jesus. We find our security, our place, our identity, our courage in you and in your love. To you be the glory we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody agreed and said, Amen.